want to start uh, just a message on choices, the choices that we make. Because every one of us woke up this morning, and I don't have to ask you what you chose to wear, because I'm looking at it, unless you did a wardrobe change before you came tonight. Maybe you, cha you had a uniform on when you are at work. But, uh, but each one of us who's here tonight is, for the most part, expressing some part of our fashion sense or an artistic style by the way that we drive, the way that we dress. It's what we like, what we, what we uh, appreciate. And so you woke up this morning, you, you chose to wear something, thank God. You're not here tonight without wearing something. Uh, you chose to eat something. When you, when you drove, you chose a car or you chose to, when you worked today, you chose the job that you worked at, right? So we, made, we make a lot of choices in life, and a lot of people feel like they didn't choose the life that they're living. But I'm here to tell you that if you're living the life that you're living right now, somewhere along the way, you made a choice to live that life right now. And so if you don't like the life that you chose, you need to make other choices. But tonight, I want to I talk about choices in God's Word and I'm going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Because a lot of times, we don't like to think that we're the ones that are actively making choices in our lives, that we kind of can play the blame game. Well, you know, I started out in life with parents that couldn't pay my way through college. And I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of somebody that, that, that uh, an, an actual excuse somebody gave me. They said, um, my parents didn't pay my way through college like yours did, so I, didn't, I can't do what you can do. And I said, well, there's an option to go to the military, and they'll pay for you to go to college, or there's an there's a option to you know, pay for loans. And, um, and now, I will admit this, that there are certain people that have an unfair advantage in life, right? But it doesn't mean that you are incapable of of reaching your potential and finding success and financial stability in life. You might have to work harder to get there, but it doesn't mean you can't arrive at that place because it's been done before and it's being done now. And there are multimillionaires that are making their millions right now and they came from nothing. They grew up in the projects and one of those is Ben Carson. If you don't know, Ben Carson is Surgeon General of the United States. He grew up in a government housing. He didn't have much of anything. And his mother actually every week required him to give her a book report. And he grew up and she would underline certain sentences and she would certain, circle certain words and she would give it back to him. And every week he would do a book report and return it to her. But it wasn't until he was much older that he found out his mom actually didn't know how to read. All of those book reports that he was writing and she was underlining was because she wanted them, him and his brother, to have better lives than she had. And she worked hard. Sorry, I'm trying not to get choked up because it's amazing. Every day, as a cleaning lady, as a custodial job and maintenance, that kind of thing, to make sure that, that they have food on the table to get by. And then he was able to use his education and the degree that he earned, his, his, his diploma, and then go and chase a degree. And he's one of the finest doctors, not just in the United States, but in the world. One of the most knowledgeable people 
Uh, he's just come out with a new invention. He's one of the, one of the very first uh, on a cutting edge surgery to split um, a combined twins, which is Siamese twins who are connected at the head. They said that it couldn't be done. He proved them wrong. And I just want, I'm just here to say that your choices in life are either going to make you or they're going to break you. But you are here because you chose to be here. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19 says this. That's a harsh word for some of you, but I love you enough to tell you it anyways. It says this. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, anybody want to read that? Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, you may say, I didn't get to grow up with the same advantage that somebody else did. But it doesn't mean that your children have to grow up with the same disadvantage that you had. You can give your children the advantage that you didn't have. That's why it says, choose life. And then it says what? That, that both you and your descendants may live. So... Not only does your decisions right now affect you, but it affects your future family. You're saying, I don't have any kids. Well, you may not yet, but I believe most people in this room will one day. And you may say, you may say well, I don't want to have any kids. Well, there are kids that are going to need you. Uh, maybe they're nephews, maybe they're nieces, maybe they're adopted children, maybe they're fostered. Maybe they're just in the children's program and you want to be able to bless them. There's a lot of ways... To make a difference in the next generation but every one of us regardless of whether or not we have kids is called to make a difference and um, so there's there's I promise you maybe some people may think like where's the encouragement in this I promise you there is encouragement first first for every person to have an awakening you have to you have to be awakened to reality and then I'm gonna give you inspiration to, to pursue your God-given potential and your purpose. But first things first is that God gave every one of us free will. Every one of us gets to enjoy something called free will. It's liberty. And, and in this country especially, we have the right to speak our mind. We have the right to uh, confront injustice. We have the right to create a voice for ourselves. Whether you realize it or not, you have a voice and so you're I appreciate it if I would appreciate it if you take advantage of your opportunity to use it. But maybe there are some exceptions in the world, right? What would a situation be where somebody may not have a uh, their full free will? The dic in a, inside of a dictatorship. Yeah, maybe. What would what would be a country that would represent that? North Korea. So I heard of a guy recently. He he passed away. From what? Um, he was ministering. He won a thousand people to Jesus. He had escaped to China, found Jesus, and went back to North Korea willingly to share the gospel. He won a thousand people to Jesus. And then they, um, uh, I think they took a firing squad and surrounded him in a circle and, and shot him. Um, but God. This person was somebody, even in a dictatorship, he found a way to value God's word more than the dictator. And he chose 
he chose the reward of death uh, in order to see Jesus. But I believe that in every situation, even when we're stripped of our freedoms, that, that we have an opportunity to make choices. We get to choose, even if we're imprisoned, right? If you're imprisoned, some people that are in prison, they were there because they made a choice to put them there. Other people were actually unjustly incarcerated. They, they were innocent. They were improperly tried. Um, they were improperly accused, right? Uh, so what can that person choose? He can choose attitude, right? He can choose to how he responds or she responds to the cards that they were dealt with. Who's somebody in the Bible that was wrongly accused and imprisoned? Joseph. Joseph was wrongly accused and imprisoned. He was somebody who, he lived fairly. Potiphar's wife had eyes for this young, dark, handsome, attractive, smooth-skinned gentleman. And she came into the room, and she, she, she let him know. And let me tell you that at that time, she was probably a very, a much younger, very attractive woman who was married to uh, an older man who probably wasn't in, in shape because those servants did most of the work. So she was looking after this fit young man who was the head of his servants. And as a servant, you're not allowed to date. You're not allowed to marry. You're not, you know. So I can imagine for a young man, that would have been very tempting for this, this well-painted, illustrious woman to come after you. And she would have kept it private, but he had the character to say, I'm not sleeping with my master's wife, no matter how good you look, right? So she grabbed his cloak when he tried to run away from her temptation. And let me just say this, Joseph, Joseph knew what to do. When you're tempted, you got to run away from that temptation. Like, he wasn't about to stick around because he knew, if I stick around and play with this idea, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get caught, Right? But she grabbed his cloak on his way out while he was running, and he ran out naked, which looked like he tried to, and when she told, sold the story, she said that he tried to attack her. So he went to prison, and what happened in prison when he chose the right attitude, he chose to help the people around him, he, choose, he chose to interpret the dreams. Come on, preach to me. Come on. He became the prison warden. That's right. Eric will preach to me. He was promoted to the head of the prison. So he was given a lot of favor there. And then what happened? He was promoted out of prison, and he became second in command only to Pharaoh. So he had the, the power of a vice president, virtually. Actually, he had more power than a vice president. Yeah, he was vice, vice king. That's right. Assistant in command. So we have the right to choose our attitude and responses. We have authority, there is authority that exists in the world too, so certain people have limited free will. If you grew up in your parents' house, you had a, a limited free will, right? Children in education and classrooms, um, they cannot do whatever they wish they want to because they're going to get expelled, suspended, demerits. I don't know, do they still do tardies anymore? Yeah, I got, I got tardies. I got detention, man. I got detention more than any other kid in my middle school. Oh, I couldn't stop talking. Yeah, I was, I was bad. Couldn't stop talking. I was laughing in the middle of class. I would take, I would take food from lunch because I, I couldn't eat all my lunch during the time they gave us, and I'd be eating it in class. 
One time I pulled out actual, one time I actually did pull out tater tots, and the whole, the whole class just lost it. I mean, they were, they were like, he's got, want some tots? And, and the teacher was like, stop being a clown in my classroom. You, you go outside and go see the principal. So I got, I got an attention for eating tots in class. I mean, I got, I got so many detentions. I forgot my belt one time. They gave me a detention for that. I had a teacher that honestly didn't like me, too, and I ran out of paper in her class. So she gave me a detention for the one class, which was, which was science class, and then we have Bible class because this was at a Christian school. So the next class, I had her again. This is middle school. I didn't have paper in the first class, so I didn't have paper in the second. She gave me two detentions. Now, I don't have a car. I can't go out. I can't go out, get on my bicycle, and drive to you know Rite Aid and say, can I get some paper. Yeah. So I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on. But I actually chose to respect authority even when it wasn't warranted, because I was respecting God and not the person who was abusing their position. And God really wants us to do that. I'm going somewhere tonight, but you have the right to choose. All right. And um, you have the right to ev every choice. I, I met with somebody when I was at the, the doctor's summit the other day. It's kind of a divine appointment. <laughs> Let me tell you this. If you're sick for only 48 hours, you haven't spiked a fever, it doesn't matter if you feel like your, your back is being stabbed or you feel like you're dying or, you know, or you're pooping your brains out. I just hope you're not doing that. But it doesn't matter. They will not give you anything, okay? Just so everybody knows that. Because I was there, and they did not. They were like, it hasn't been 48 hours yet. No, we can't prescribe you anything. But, yeah, it was at Stack here. But, um, maybe, maybe. He wouldn't give me anything. So I sat next to this lady, though, uh, while I was waiting for an hour and a half to two hours. And God let me minister to her. And without ever saying her name, because you'll never on drugs, she even got an abortion, and she couldn't forgive herself for that. And that she's in a house now, it's like a recovery house or a, or a be sober house, and that three of the girls have babies, and they get to keep their babies with them, which is a really wonderful thing. If they're living right, they get to keep custody of their, their babies. Which, that's wonderful. But she said one of the babies that was in the house is so hard because the mom asked her to hold it, and she had never let herself hold a baby. And she's just crying in the waiter because she had never forgiven herself for that abortion that she performed. And I just sat there with her and was able to say, you know what? God loves you, and if he forgave you, don't you think that we need to be big enough to forgive ourselves? Because a lot of us carry, we carry unforgiveness for choices that we've made before, and the unforgiveness that we carry for the poor choices we made before causes us to continue to make poor choices because we don't give ourselves the freedom to realize that we can be different and the guilt and the shame that we, that we carry, it makes us turn to ways of escape because we can't handle it, but we weren't made to carry the pressure. Jesus purchased our freedom when he died on the cross, right? But and we can't make choices for other people either, can we? As much as we'd like to make choices, there are things in life that affect us because other people have made choices. But I'll tell you what, when it feels like their choices affect us so much so that we can't move on, we've got to choose to move on. And I told, I told this lady, I said, God, God has already forgiven. We prayed through 
uh, right there in the waiting room. And um, one of the things she said to me, though, was that they say at the recovery house, play the tape through. Every time you feel the, the, the urge to give in to your addiction or give in to um, the, the temptation that's sitting in front of you, and maybe that's just playing cell phone games too much. That would probably be mine. I think I'm a little bit addicted to playing cell phone games too much because I'll probably have a conversation with you while I'm playing cell phone games. <laughs> Which I'm, I, I'm just being honest. So well, it can be something simple like that or it can be something really gruesome like being addicted to marijuana or methamphetamines or alcohol in a way that, that really doesn't affect your future in a positive way, right? So she said, play the tape through. Think about all the consequences that can come from this. And I, th I thought that was a really good thing to think about. Play the tape through. How is this choice going to impact future choices? So here's some questions to ask yourself, right? Um, we ask ourselves, what should we eat? Who should we vote for, right? A lot of people don't think that it's important to vote. You're like, no, politics is corrupt. Well, let me ask you like this. If do you think that, that Christians should be in the police force? Yes. Because if, police, if Christians aren't in the police force, maybe they lack values that will continue to uh, permit an uncorrupt police force, right? So isn't it the same in our, in our political system? If you yourself have a vote and you cast it for who you believe is the person that represents your values, your virtues, and your character, right, by not voting you're allowing somebody else to choose the political system for you. And what they're going to choose is probably opposed to your values. By not voting, you're choosing to let somebody else run your life through the government. Right? Or what occupation should we pursue, right? And a lot of people choose that based on their need for money, but then they may end up regretting it, right? But it's important to consider our occupation and I know a lot of people don't like to think about like vocational work, but there's a lot of certifications right now that can get you a great job too. And I've been trying to, and I encourage you to consider vocational work. In addition, if you want to go to college, that's great too. But even if you don't want to go, there, there's 16 week courses. You can become uh, machine operated. You can, you can be all of these things. They're saying that most of the electricians are going to be out of the workforce in the next 10 to 15 years. A lot of the trained skills, welders, electricians, masons, they're, uh, even mechanics, um, a lot of them are retiring, and they don't have people to replace them. And so I encourage you to consider, wow, what does my future look like? What, how much money do I need to save up in order to get a certification or a license um, so that I can support my future family? Because I, I know that if I, if I work hard, whether that's I get a degree in college or get a certification, I'm going to make more money. Even if i got to get a loan. If I get a loan, some of these courses that I found cost $4,000, and I'm going to make $55,000, $50,000. How many know that that is a good investment? Because I just... You do the math. Subtract 16000 from 55000 right? So that you're making almost 30000 your first year. That's just your first year. And 50000 or 55000 every year after that. 
That's a pretty good investment. I think education is one of the greatest return on investment you can find anywhere. So ask yourself that. Ask yourself about delayed gratification. If I choose to spend my money on this right now, am I going to have the money for something I need later? A lot of times people come to me and they're in a crisis, and the reality is they had enough money, but they spent it too much on eating out, going to uh, fast food every afternoon, not packing lunches. There's little ways that it whittles away at our savings, right? And, and suddenly we're going, I don't have enough money for this repair I've got to make in my car, right? I didn't, I didn't have a savings account. I didn't have an emergency account. So I believe it's really important that we choose delayed gratification. It's not fun. That's not fun. I don't like delayed gratification. I want to be gratified right now. My stomach's hungry, and I want to go get the Big Mac. You know what I mean? Extra sauce. Extra sauce. <laughs> I know this isn't fun right now, but it's a good word. Second Peter chapter 3, if you want to go there. That's in the New Testament. <laughs> chapter 3? Chapter 3 and verse 9. Are you there already? Second Peter. No, it's, it's before 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. It's toward the end of the book. 2nd Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. So if the Lord is long-suffering, we can learn, we can, we can take in his characteristics, right? The characteristics of the Holy Spirit. One of them is what? patience and so he's long-suffering toward us so we can we know that we can be long-suffering because he's in us and we can be like him so and it says not willing that any should perish but also come to repentance um, but it's just an example of how God is is sometimes delaying gratification he's he wants us to serve him he wants us to get it right he wants us to be right right uh, and he wants it so badly for us but he's continuing to pour out his mercy, which is a sign that he's delaying his judgments, in a sense, or the gratification of, of the natural realm, because sin in and of itself demands consequence. And the, consequence, the wages of sin are what? Death. Death. But if we accept Jesus, we, we get the reward of life. Yeah, because he's the way, the truth, and the life. But... Um, I, I want to go one step further tonight, and I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 3. And that is in the, it's, it's in the other side. It's before 2 Kings. 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 3. And it says, Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. And then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. Solomon loved the Lord, walked in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burnt incense at the high place. So he's making some good choices. He's making some bad choices. Um, 
But it says that the king went to give me the sacrifice there, for that was the great place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. So if God asked you right now, what shall I give you? What would some of our first carnal responses be, possibly? Lord, I want a new house. I'd like to have a Ferrari Murcielago. <laughs> you would like to have a Lamborghini Murcielago? Yeah, Lamborghini or Ferrari, it is different. I'm glad you know that. Um, Rolls Royce. I mean, there, there's, some, there's some things that are natural that we would naturally want. A lot of you, I think, might actually say, Lord, I'd like somebody that's tall, dark, and handsome, or... I'd like, I'd like a beauty pageant queen. I'd like Miss America. Uh-huh. Some of you, some of you, that would be the first thing on your mind, right? World peace. World peace. I, some of you would wish for world peace, and, then, and others of you would wish for a piece of the world. Mm-hmm. As Solomon said, <laughs> it's true. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him. Right? Anybody listening? Yes. And you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God... You have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant, so I think he's being a little bit humble, right? But the humility goes a long ways, right? He, he knows how to get up. He knows how to, to exit. He knows how to enter. He's not really a child, but he, he considers himself uneducated. He considers himself inexperienced in comparison to the people that he's ruling, right? <clears throat> he's, not, he's not a baby. He's not a kid. He's not Josiah, right? Now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king, said to my father David, but I'm little and I, a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours? And this speech pleased the Lord. So basically he asked the Lord for understanding to judge, discernment, wisdom. And the speech pleased the Lord. And Solomon had asked these things. Then God said to them, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, Behold, I've done according to your words, and see, I've given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. And I've also given you what you've not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall be, not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways, here's the condition. If you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days, right? So he gave him wealth and riches, and he gave him the promise of a long life with the condition 
that he would be obedient. And I find when the Lord asks you, what is it that you want, that you need to look at the greater picture, right? And maybe every one of us in this room, really God is asking, he's given you something. He's given you 24 hours in a day. He's given every one of us, whether we're billionaires or we have a dollar to our name, he's given us the same 24-hour period. And the currency of time is the great equalizer because every one of us, we wake up in the morning, we go to sleep at night. If you're human, you don't last long if you don't sleep. So, so we're all alike in that. So what he's asking you is, what do you want to do with the time that I've given you? What will you choose in the time that I've given you? What are you going to do? What are you going to choose? This is, this is something I need to teach you, son. You've got some choices to make. How much are you going to fill that diaper up with, and how many times are you going to nurse? Yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah, I'm, I choose to do that right now. So, so here, you, you ain't got no free will, son, yet. You will. But we... Is anybody say, I want that. I want to choose wisdom because I know that wisdom is the doorway that opens up the opportunities of everything else I want in life. Wisdom, if I, if I get wisdom, if I understand how to create streams of revenue, I don't have to ask for money because I'm generating income, right? I don't have to ask for, I don't have to ask for a new car because I've created a business then the business itself is providing the car for me. And not only do I have enough for me, maybe, but I'll be enough to help bless other people, right? That's what Nan Gamble did when she started the Annabelle Village. She created a source of revenue that sustained the church through a season where we had offerings that, where it was like $5,000 a week. And you may think that's a lot, but that doesn't, that doesn't even pay to keep lights on in one facility. But Nan Gamble had the insight with the vision of, of, of pastor and bishop to implement an idea where not only would she, would she generate a million dollars of revenue a year, but she would be able to bless her community, sow into missions around the world, and minister to people that live at the home that's down the road on 38th Street. So wisdom will open doorways for you. So my, my point to you tonight is not to beat you up, but to say, if you're in a place in life that you don't, you don't like where you are, you feel like you didn't choose where you are, I remind you that your choice has put you here. But you can choose to be better, you can choose to do different, and you can choose to say, I'm going to tuck away money. There's a lady who gave, at the end of her life, a million dollars to Ole Miss. She was somebody who lived without air conditioning. She was somebody who didn't have public sewer. She had an outhouse. Out this woman, she worked so hard, she hardly had clothes in her closet. And you would have thought she had absolutely nothing. She didn't have any family to leave the money to. But she, she donated to Ole Miss, and, and she was an African-American maid. And she said, I want this money to go towards African-American youth that need scholarships. If a woman like that can make a million dollars as a maid, every person in this room can be a millionaire. 
by the time that we go, by the time that we pass. And I would mention this, we're making more money than she made. It's easier to get to a million dollars because of the rise of inflation. So a million dollars a couple years ago, 20 years ago, was actually more valuable than it is today. Which means that if you let your money sit in a bank without generating more revenue, then you're actually losing purchasing power on your dollars. We can talk about that more later, but that's just something to add. I believe everyone, God, wants, God wants everyone in this room to be wealthy, to make wise choices, and to choose your future. Because nobody else can choose for you and nobody else is to blame. You are the proprietor of the destiny that God gave you. He put breath in your lungs, he gave you talents, he gave you abilities, and now it's our job to take our potential and to make the most of it. Potential is a very questionable thing because what is it? It's what you can become, but nobody else will make you become that, only you. So your potential is determined by, not by your talents, but by your motivation. Yeah, we've got six minutes tonight. I want to I wanna pray, but God gave Solomon a choice and in another place in the scripture he actually gave David a choice because David sinned against God he took a census when he shouldn't have and um, God gave him three choices three consequences to choose from he said you can have seven years of famine he said you can be on the run for three months while your enemies pursue you as you flee or you can have three days of pestilence so the prophet came to him and he said, because you took a census and God told you not to, remember this is in the, in the, in the dispensation of the law, right? And um, what did J David choose? Does anybody know? He didn't actually choose it. By not choosing, he said, Lord, only you know. I put this in your hands. But by not choosing, he was still making a choice. Sometimes in our lives, we think, I don't have to choose. Things are just going to work out. By not choosing, you're still choosing your destiny. You're choosing what you have now. By, by saying, I don't have to choose, or I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do next weekend, you're, you're still making a choice that what's, what's in operation will be in effect. What, what, whatever's traveling this way, it, it's going to continue to travel that direction. Uh, so if you want to make a change in your life, then you've got to make a choice to see that change. Sometimes, like, we can magnify something 
or we were like, I believe that God is, you know, like showing me images by saying, we have the whatever in our lives to give that to what we want. When someone comes up to us and they put us down, or someone says something to us when we were little, and that word has been running in our mind forever, like, God has given us the authority to say whatever. Yeah. And then just move forward. The pastor says you can go through something or you can grow through something. So we choose to grow. And, and let me say this. Um, it takes a plan to switch directions in life, right? A lot of, a lot of times maybe we, we just we, we want to make a cut, a clean cut, right? And just, just say, I'm going to do something different. But I encourage you not to leave a job until you have a job. You know, you don't, you don't just say, I'm, I'm I want another job so you don't have income until you know that there's something that will provide for you, right? When you, when you, choose, to, when you choose to move, you, you go to a different place, you don't just you know, cancel the lease immediately because you're locked into a lease or you're locked into rent and then just, just move out and it's done, right? You have to plan. You, you put things in boxes. You need, a, you need to have a place that you move into before you move out of the place you came from, right? So so maybe tonight you're like, yeah, some things have to change in my life. I need to make better choices. I'm really ministered to. Okay, sit down and talk to me about it. Before you move forward, you need a strategy. You need a plan. There are choices. You, you choose to plan before you make the choice, right? But, but God wants to do that. I'm, 